Chapter 24 It's five o'clock in the evening of the 21st of December, and while anarchy rules population centers the world over, disorder isn't limited to the big cities. Hundreds of small towns across America are also under siege. Good evening. I'm Melissa Aronson, and this is Eyewitness News. For tonight's lead story, we go to Carmela Zeta in the town of Akushna, Massachusetts, with breaking news. Carmela, what's going on there? Good evening, Melissa. I'm here with Mayor John Karuski, who's been on the scene from the first fired shot, working all day, trying to restore order in a town overrun by an armed gang of thugs who attacked the local police station killing 11 of a police force that only numbers 24. Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Camilla. Yes, this is a disaster for law and order. The mayor, lacking a winter jacket, shivering in the cold, his high-pitched voice conveying panic. The perpetrators of this horrendous attack were holed up in the police station. They've surrounded, they're surrounded now, but are well armed with the grenades, tear gas, and machine guns that they used when they attacked the station about noontime. At about four o'clock, 48 National Guardsmen arrived to help us handle the situation. There was a lot of shooting. The only thing is, he stopped, distracted by two newly arriving media vans, Camilla saying, the guardsmen have surrounded the station, pushing the microphone into his nose, bringing him back. Yes, that's right. The only problem is that they have hostages. He paused. How many, Mr. Mayor? We think there are 24 well-armed criminals in there. No, hostages. Yes, they have a lot of hostages. We don't know exactly how many or even where some of them came from. Who are they? We don't know. But they say they're going to kill all of them. They've been throwing out bodies almost every hour. They throw out another one. Four are already piled up outside the door. They won't let us retrieve them. We don't know how many they have in there. What do they want? They haven't told us what they want except... They said they'll kill all 18 hostages if we attack. We don't even know how many hostages they actually have. Looking away from the news when the door to Laney's hospital suite opened, Dee turned off the flat screen, wordlessly hanging the universal to Laurie Baby, careful not to jostle Laney nestled on her right shoulder. Purple filled the doorway, Angus in full canonical regalia hesitating until Laurie Baby walked over and took his hand, taking him to Laney's bed, she waking, looking first at Dee and then at death. Dee to Laney, you haven't confessed or received in so long the bishop threatened he'd take the sacraments to you and here he is, but we can send him away. No, it's fine. Water? A glass appeared with a straw, Laney sipping twice, watching Dee sidle off the bed, handing the glass back to her mother, grabbing at Dee's hand, missing, saying, You're not leaving? No, silly, making room. 
Dee gently taking her dear's hand into hers and sitting on the edge of the bed. Don't let go, Dee. Laney squeezing Dee's hand, the bishop coming up on the other side. Leaning over Laney, his stall touching the bed linens, he's saying, Shall we start with a confession? Laney, Okay. Parents, Fritz, Philip, and Kurt leaving, Laney saying, Can the girl stay? Yes, if you want. Yes. After the confession, the, re the room refilling, the bishop anointed Laney's head with oil and forewarned, administered a sliver of the thin communi communion wafer, settling it directly on Laney's tongue. Would you like me to lead the group in some prayers? Laney looked to Dee. She's saying, The Our Father. Of course. Clearing his throat, making the sign of the cross, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, everyone joining in. Following the prayer and a couple of moments of silence, Dee to Angus, We appreciate your taking the time. Thank you very much. I must confess that I had little choice in the matter, Dee not understanding, Angus continued, I'm not only here as the head of your diocese, but as an emissary from His Holiness, who sends his deepest personal regards from Rome to Laney and yourself, mentioning you both by name, and he sends his personal best wishes for all of your friends and family. Laney turned her resting head, staring at him, saying, The Pope? Mention me by name? Yes, my dear. He expects a full report of your condition from me, yours and your friends here, smiling warmly, indicating D. And to D, can you help me? D, I'm not enthusiastic about it, but a couple of questions, okay. The two of you are friends, I understand. Sister Mary Margaret mentioned it. For many years, since we were in theology together in our early twenties in Avignon, France, four years we studied and debated together every day. I was smarter. <laughs> what would you like to know? Everyone moving closer to hear D. How are you physically? I'm very tired, always, getting more tired by the day. You can imagine I'm very well attended, but I don't think my fatigue is physical. Mostly it's from grief. My personal losses are mounting, and the world is careening out of control. That depressing you? Half the equation. The other half? I took it as my peculiar responsibility to save the world from this demonic website. Is that hubris? The bishop. St. Joan of Arc also knew she had a supernatural connection and her visions empowered her to do great deeds. You've been admitted into God's presence being fully conscious, a great advantage over Joan's ephemeral dreams. No, my child, acknowledging a mission doesn't make you guilty of hubris. Consider the word humility, thinking of yourself less, not thinking less of yourself. I think that suits you to a T. Consider how your actions have already benefited society, giving hope and good example. 
Everything you do points to humility and away from hubris. If you have a mission, embrace it, my dear, accepting the pain that comes with it. And how are you doing spiritually? Have you been talking to Mary Margaret? Please don't blame her. Our clergy have a most difficult time resisting the entreaties of the church hierarchy. Are you despaired? The opposite, I think. I know God will forgive me the moment I ask, but I can't ask because I don't deserve forgiveness. Not that easily, speaking with a hitch. The bishop, my dear, her hand shot up. Stop! I don't want to talk about it. I'm very ashamed. It's pride, I think, maybe. But please forgive me. I simply don't want to talk about it any further. After a moment's reflection, Angus, of course. But by way of encouragement, let me offer you this. Church hierarchs are eternally skeptical, rarely forming weighty judgments against anyone while they live. But we have monitored you for long enough, and we have had enough tangible manifestations of the strength of your spirituality that our experienced and rational observers believe your mysticism is sanctified. Lead, and we will follow. We? Myself and those who directed here, who directed me here. Yes, His Holiness, and His most trusted advisers and those of the College of Cardinals following you. Laney squeezed Dee's hand, saying, Dee, we're all so proud of you. Dee leaning over to kiss Laney's cheek. Dee to Angus, I don't deserve the attention. I don't want the burden. Angus, no! Too loudly, looking at Laney, continuing more softly. Don't think that. You are perfectly worthy. But if you are troubled in this regard, perhaps you would do me the honor of confession. It may relieve your anxiety. Tears dribbling down her face, she mouthed without sound, I can't. Dabbing her eyes with Stella's tissue and returning it to her with a soft smile, I'm sorry, no. But, Your Eminence, you could do me a great favor instead. Of course, my child, name it. I could really use a cortado. A mischievous smile flitting, fading. He burst out laughing, but a glance at Laney's tired face aborted the chuckle, he retaining, however, a self-deprecating smile. Christ washed the feet of his disciples and got a good press out of it. Hundreds of works of art, many by artists who knew how to paint, portray that moment. Maybe this gesture will rate me a charcoal drawing. My luck the single wannabe who does it will perversely capture the moment I drop the cup. Dee laughing gently. I can get it, Philip standing. My son, I accept your offer to this degree. You pull the others and we'll get everyone coffees, compliments of the church's treasury. But to myself, I exclusively reserve the honor of getting coffees for Laney and for our young heroine here. And to D, I'll follow your young man and come right back. 
Dee's parents volunteered to help as well. That's a lot of coffee. Dee returned to the bed, helping Lainey sit up for her coffee. Dee favoring her still throbbing, heavily bandaged elbow. Lainey settled. Dee tried her best to get comfortable herself while all around her the family group realigned. Josh Morgan taking one of the vacated chairs near Lainey's head and Eileen Morgan sitting on the edge of the bed taking Lainey's limp hand and kissing it. Stella and Laurie baby wheeling the second bed beside Lainey's. Fritz squeezing in beside Dee at her invitation. Lainey's smile reaching over to lightly touch Fritz. She smiled too at Kurt as he took a seat at the bed at her feet and at, Lane, at Laurie Baby snuggling in and Stella beside her, the others finding new purchase to sit or lean against. The Pope D. imagine, Laney repeating it to the sympathetic room, the Pope. He loves you, my dear. We all do, her mother crying continuously. D. he mentioned you by name. He's thinking of you, my dear. You'll be in his powerful prayers, squeezing Laney's limp body to her. Her sweet Laney, lying quietly through this December 21, this most precious of days, and if she lives a little bit of tomorrow, then that day to supersede this as most precious. But whichever of the next days her last, and so most precious, her Sweet, sweet, sweet Lainey had seen her last Christmas. Saturday, December 23. Dee dozed with her head and back against the headboard, her stomach headrest for the sleeping Lainey, Stella and Laurie baby lying tight against them, one on each side, the four filling the two budding beds, Dee didn't move when the opening door woke her, her police friends framed in the entryway waiting for permission to enter, given by Stella by virtue of slightly raising her head and closed eyes waving them in. Sam and Jesse's arrival at the foot of the bed, the prompt, Stella and Laurie baby propped themselves up on their elbows, and Dee slowly opened her eyes, saying, I know it's important, Please go ahead. Closing her eyes again, her arm tightened around Laney, she not waking. Sergeant Jussie softly. An hour ago, six o'clock, soldiers chased and trapped a man at the Parkman bandstand on the common. I remember, D, Jussie continuing, for violating curfew, his drawing a gun forcing them to shoot him dead. Silence. Everyone listening, watching D. Ostella for reaction. Lieutenant Sam. Thing is, he had set a laptop on the bandstand floor, and when one of the soldiers bent to retrieve it, he was electrocuted. Died instantly. No wires. No other source of power. Not possible. Kurt moving with the circle of friends, tightening around the beds. 
Fritz Philip and eight parents. One, a laptop battery doesn't have anything like that kind of power. And two, if it did, the plastic parts would melt and shot the boards before seriously hurting anyone. Sergeant Jesse, impossible. But as the girls will tell you, it's happened before. Equally impossible, we got a call 10 minutes ago. The fried laptop started beeping and a message popped up for D on the mostly melted screen. Everyone's waiting for us to get back to them. D, the message, please don't make me work. Lieutenant Sams, stupid, so sorry. Four letters, four words. D, here at midnight. High noon, part two, high midnight? Choice of weapons? D, buying time while racing to interpret the message racing to shield her family crammed into the small, inhospitable space. They, facing one too many crises, racing to discharge the fear generated by the challenge, asking, Time? Someone? Now? Seven o'clock. D. When did we eat last? Other than rolls at breakfast, nothing today, Philip. Yesterday, afternoon deli and cannolis last night, Laney's request. D nodding, remembering the night before, Laney asking for a cannoli, her favorite dessert. D put a small piece of the cannoli cream and shell into Laney's eager mouth. Five minutes later, the softened shell still there. Remembered Laney's attempt to swallow, the piece not moving. Remembered sweeping her finger across Laney's tongue, sweeping the molten morsel onto her finger, Laney's eyes watering, saying, I love you, Dee popping the mush into her own mouth, swallowing it reverently like Holy Communion. Aloud to the sleeping Laney's head, I need to eat, my dear, a steakhouse sirloin, big. I'll get one for you, too, the biggest one. And to Philip, medium rare for both of us, please, as soon as possible. And a salad, blue cheese dressing. No one else has eaten either. Let's all have supper here. Fun, Laney whispered, eyes still closed, head still resting on Dee's chest. You're not too tired. Keeps me occupied, Dee. I like it, Laney. Like having everyone I love crowded into the room. She near sleeping. Philip, I'll take everyone's orders. Michael Mirabile, keep it simple, Philip. We all eat steaks. Who's open these days? Eileen Morgan. I'll find a steakhouse, Philip. Lieutenant Sam and Sergeant Jesse together will help. Baked potato on the menu. Angus in the doorway. Bishop Angus, where were you hiding? Are you eating with us? Laurie Baby sitting up. Lorraine, no, not Bishop, not anymore. Announced earlier today by the Vatican. Our own Bishop just appointed Cardinal. Congratulations, Your Eminence. And from around the room, everyone offering their joy at the news. 
Angus. Thank you, all. The appointment is definitely the Pope's statement of how seriously and respectfully he regards Dee and how he loves Laney. Their bishop, whoever he may be, must be elevated. But forgive me for always barging in. Franciscans are beggars from the origin of our order. I stayed in town to pay a surprise visit to the Franciscans at the Arch Street Church, St. Anthony Shrine. I turned down dinner there, yesterday's turkey meatloaf with cold water to drink, and I wanted to stop by to see our patient, so here I am, cardinal and supplicant. So, Dee, since I'm coming with you, can you stand another guest for dinner? How do you know I'm even going? That's not a serious question. How do you know I want anybody along? I'm a Franciscan. We're humble. We beg. We stay back, away from the action, out of sight, out of mind. What good are you, then? Dee and he both laughing a little. I suppose you want sour cream. And chopped scallions, of course, the cardinal straight-faced. Dee, your father and I will have the same meal as Angus because this is one time we're not going to permit our daughter to go into danger without us. Lorraine walking to the bed, taking Dee's hand, kissing it. I was going to ask you and Dad to come, pulling her mother's hand to her mouth, returning the kiss. Dad bending over to reach her, her his hug saying everything. I want this a happy moment to dispel fear. Can a couple of you go to the apartment and get our newest Clara dresses? I'm sure they're back from the cleaners. They are, Stella. D. And we have several bottles of well-aged Aubryon. They're certainly special enough for that. Get three. And see if we have cold champagne. I think we do from some celebration never held. I forget what. Three bottles of that as well. Of course we'll go. We want to make sure those bottles aren't shaken on the trip over. So we're celebrating, Lorraine? D. If the Last Supper a celebration, at least our wine's a step up for Manischewitz. Jim Langley, Stella's dad. We should have stainless flatware and steak knives. You can't cut steak with plastic. And some glasses, too. Those wines need proper glasses. Laurie Baby, all the photos and videos of the Last Supper show it well appointed. We can't be outdone. Why don't Jim and I come too? It'll make the trip much quicker and smoother, Elizabeth Langley. And please order the same dinners for us, Philip. Stella, Mum, if you're going, would you bring back my book, A Confederacy of Dunces? It's on my bedside table. Maybe we could have a reading. Of course. Anything else? No. Lieutenant Sam, we'll have a couple of cars take you to the apartment and wait. They'd love to have something to do. Stella to Sam and Jesse, you'll stay with us for dinner, of course. Sergeant Jesse looking to Dee, if you're going to this meeting, we're coming. And to Stella, so yeah, if it's okay, we have five hours to kill. Four. We leave here at 11, D. Laney lifting her head. 
nodding to D, sleeping again. Philip to the police. Same as the others, both officers nodding. Lieutenant Sam, we can have the food picked up. No thanks. I'll be happy for a ride, but I want to check the order. I could, however, definitely use some help carrying it all. Kurt, I'll come. Actually, no, stupid. Lieutenant Sam, don't worry. Sergeant Jesse is fine alone here. I'll come and we can have the whole police force, any of them delighted to help. Philip announcing, does anyone not want dinner? No takers. Okay, steak, salad, and potatoes for everyone. And while he counted, Dee and the girls got up from the bed, Kurt replacing Dee at the headboard, hugging Laney into his arms, she nestling, pulling his head to her face, whispering to him, he's saying to Philip, don't forget the biggest steak goes to Laney, she whispering again, and bring glasses for her too, for the wine. Kurt pulling Laney up to his chest so she could see the room whenever she opened her eyes. It didn't take long for all of the errand boys and girls to get started, and when they left, Dee asked, Stella asked Dee, Do you even have to go? Laurie Baby saying, Yeah, what if we just ignore the message? Dee shaking her hand. More destruction. Maybe some very dramatic disaster. And the face down only postponed. Tomorrow night, midnight of next week, what difference? No way to duck it. And you know, it's about time I want to do it. Pausing. So which of you with me, which with Laney? Either way, both saying. Laney, no, Dee, all of you go. I have plenty of help and I'm not in danger. Her voice near normal, her eyes closed, squeezing into Kurt. Oh, no, leave you two alone? Laurie Baby with Dee and Stella both shaking their heads at the thought of abandoning Laney, she's smiling in resignation. One of us stays. Let it be me. That's fine with me, Stella. If it's all the same, which one of us, whatever one of us is doing, the other's doing as well. D, okay, I'm going to take a shower. Next me, Laurie Baby. The dress and utensil crew arrived before the restaurant crew, the men vacating the room to give the girls privacy. Eileen and Lorraine combed Laney's hair and washed her before getting her into one of Aunt Clara's last-made Christmas Eve dresses, Laurie Baby Dee and Stella putting theirs on after showering. It was close after eight by the time everyone raised the glass to Stella's toast. Our enemies be damned, the cardinal adding, and we mean that quite literally, everyone responding with a variant of hear, hear. Laney, and to our hero D, her toast echoing around the room. Laney dipped her tongue into the glass of champagne and chewed a microscopic bite of steak that Kurt cut for her, saying, Thank you all. I love you so much. Each, very much at peace. D, you think I can come this last time? Spitting the steak into her own hand, 
Lari baby taking the morsel from it from her, tossing it into the trash, ceremonially wiping Laney's hand. D. Do you know how much I'd love that, my darling? Taking her other hand. Next time. But Laney already asleep. Cardinal Anger started the reading, and D. ate silently, listening, relishing the tingle and flavors in her glass of champagne and every aroma, tactile astringency, and jamminess in every drop of the spectacular Aubryon 1966, just as she savored each bite of the large rare steak, large crispy salad, and baked potatoes with the trimmings, plus her several asparagus spears with hollandaise sauce, wherever they came from, especially relishing the last morsel a soup sawn of soured cream on a small piece of steak, juice-soaked potato, garnished with a single small piece of the white scallion, the last bite followed by her last sip of the red. While Philip cleared her place setting, Dee slouched down into her chair, accepting the blanket her mother laid on her, saying, just closing my eyes for a moment. Startled awake when Stella gently touched her cheek, saying, 10.45, time to leave. Dee looked into Stella's face for a moment, nodded, took Stella's hands and pulled herself to her feet. Stella, everyone please step out a moment and the room emptied, save the four girls, plus Philip and Kurt. At 11... The pilgrims gathered in the hospital lobby. Lieutenant Sam, I told the National Guard that you'll walk from the hospital to Child Street and then to the Comet. D, no, I need more time to compose myself. The plan is the long way up Cambridge Street to the Common, avoiding the bandstand by crossing to the Beacon Street side and into the public garden. I'll stop my, by my angel for a few minutes. From there, we'll go into the common in the parkman. Midnight. Lieutenant Sam. Angel? Stella. A bronze statue in the corner of the public garden at Arlington and Beacon. Sam nodding. Sergeant Jesse saying, got it. Jesse saying, just a heads up. But I think we may have some unpleasantness along the way. D. It'll be okay. Lieutenant Sam saying that the meeting had become public knowledge, the number one news story, in fact, every station treating the meet like a major sporting event, every station with its own ad hoc panel of commentators, and then it asked if she had a plan or at least any first thoughts on approaching the laptop. The Army has permitted a single pool mobile television unit to follow us at a distance. So there will be television at the bandstand too. At the bandstand? No television people, none. Let them set cameras in place and run them remotely. I remember the bandstand as the hub of a wheel, several cement pathways radiating to an outer circle. That outer circle will be the guardsmen or army perimeter. No one inside it. 
She looked at each of her group as she mentioned their names. Mom, Dad, and Cardinal Angus, you'll stay with the army. That's really close. Philip, Laurie Baby, Sam, and Jesse will come with me and wait at the bottom of the bandstand steps. I'll go up to the bandstand alone. Philip, let me come with you. He'll try to kill you like he's killed everyone else he's dealt with. Her eyes looking far away beyond, her voice from that place. He can't kill me. It's against the rules.